Mabuhay, which is welcome, and Tagalog, which is the language of the Philippine Islands. I'm not sure how many of you knew that, but you're welcome. So also welcome to the show, to Daddy Unscripted. My name is Tim Wheaton. I'm the host and the creator of Daddy Unscripted, and I'm happy to have you along for another episode this fine day, whatever day this is that you might be listening to. I hope it is a fine day regardless. Today, I'm going to be sitting with Joe. Joe is a good friend of uh, my little family, and he has a little boy who is uh, very good friends with my seven-year-old daughter. So we have uh, brought him into our mix of uh, friends that we can hang out with with kids as well as um, adult normal friends, which is kind of cool. So Joe has some history similar to mine. We both graduated from the same high school uh, at very different times, though. I am a little bit older than Joe, and uh, we didn't know each other back then at all. So it's, it was just very happenstance that we happened to uh, make friends with him at this time. But I'm very happy that we have. He's a great guy, and uh, you guys will all get to hear that, I'm sure, during the episode itself. Joe has a little bit of uniqueness, which I've been trying to bring to these different episodes. He is a single dad. So that brings a much different little feel to the show. I'm hoping to have on some more single dads as the show progresses, but we'll see how that goes. So uh, without further ado, let's dig into this show with Joe. What do they call? What do they call that? Ebonics? Ebonics. They they used to call it Ebonics. I I don't even know if that's... I got the Ebonics 3 in high school. Ebonics 3. Yeah, but I got a D. I had to take it over in summer school. They actually had, when I was walking uphill both ways in the snow, there were two electives my senior year. Art appreciation Mm -hmm. and a class called Great Books which I fought against the administration because we were reading Newbery Award winners, like elementary school level books. And it was supposed to be for seniors only. I think there were a couple of juniors in it. And that was it. And there was, you know, Spanish one and two. Mm-hmm. I don't think they had three. Mm-hmm. And French one and two. Everybody got like a B and up. I had a Spanish teacher my freshman year in high school that could barely speak Spanish. And it was, uh, he was a bad dude. Nobody liked him. Uh, he got fired eventually. He did something inappropriate, I think, actually. Mm. Um, in English, probably. Oh, man. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in English. Man, what was his name? Oh, that was a miserable year. So today, on our episode of Daddy Unscripted, we are here with Joe. And Joe comes to us from originally from the East Coast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have been here in Southern California since you were what, fourteen? Uh, I believe I was. Yeah, I believe I was fourteen, fifteen. I moved out when I was fourteen with a sister for about a year uh, for my freshman year in high school, and then I moved here for my so- starting my sophomore year, so ninety four. Uh, we came from the same high school. Uh, probably that's about uh, that might be close to the extent of our childhood likely uh, likenesses but we'll soon find out yeah. so uh, why don't we go back so you're uh, growing up well go ahead you tell the story I'm not going to tell it well where do you want me to start uh, start from <laughs> all kinds of chapters where you were born and well my background is I'm I'm fourth generation from Germany uh, about 300 kilometers outside of Paris. Uh, and our family moved here, like many people in the mid-1800s, 1865, I believe, on a ship into Philadelphia. And uh, we've actually got a great Ancestry.com account. It's it's remarkable to be able to go back and see that. It's it's definitely something I always recommend everybody invests in. If yeah. you can. Before it's gone and audio times like this, we <clears> sat down <throat> with my grandfather before he passed away and he was just drilled with questions and on micro di- or um, 
mini discs, mm-hmm. and just probably some cassette decks, honestly, as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we just got a new sponsor out of Ancestry.com. Yeah, thank no you, problem. Thank you for that. <laughs> we'll build that. Yeah. Um, family moved into the city, um, Philadelphia. Okay, uh, into Philly proper. Yep, into Philly proper. Um, we, we had, to, I don't know the specifics, but I know we had an influence on the city. We built a bol- big boulevard up to the art museum. Mm. And um, in City Hall, you can see some of our names on the wall, some of the things that we did. Uh, ma- a lot of masonry stuff, I believe. But mm-hmm. it, it's cool to, to have that connection. And I didn't, I wasn't even aware of that until I think I was in my 20s. And I love history. So it was really something to see and um, be able to tell my son about one day. Yeah. So the family lived in the city. I think almost every man in my family's name's Frank, a good 200 years or so back. And um, I'm the youngest of six. I've got four siblings, uh, four sisters, and then a brother on top of that. Uh, my brother just turned 50, and I am just turned 37, so 13 years between oh, us. Oh, yeah, it's a huge gap. Yeah, big gap. I, um, I wouldn't necessarily I was say I was planned. <laughs> I was probably... <laughs> Uh, a blessing we'll call. Yes. <laughs> so uh, how old were your parents when they had you then? Uh, well, my dad just turned 79. My mom was f- 42 when okay. she had me. Cause okay. she, my mom passed away a year, a month and a day after I was born. Oh wow. So I almost on mother's day, I believe it was May, uh, May 10th. Oh no, June 10th. So past that, but, uh, yeah, youngest of six, um, Family lived in the city for quite some time until the year before I was born. And um, when my dad was a kid, his job was to go to this local shop that worked on chainsaws, this guy that worked on chainsaws and handguns. And my dad would pick up these old school revolvers and get on the L in the city. And as I understand it correctly, go to uh, some production studio for television or whatever it was at the time television i believe because they needed the guns for the show and he would i think he was probably 12 i mean just super young mm-hmm. and he uh, met this gentleman his name was was bill croce um and became good friends with him and my dad kind of worked for him and one day he said i'm moving out of the city I'm moving to the suburbs found a great place and it's time to get out of the city the city was changing and so he my father would come and help him uh build this wonderful home and then eventually said, you know, I think it was my mom that said, let's, let's move up here. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, moved to the suburbs in 78. I was born in 79. My mother passed away shortly after. And my father was a uh, man. He was a worker. He still is. I mean, just uh, the epitome of a man, I would think, you know, which comes with faults. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but just would get up at the crack of dawn before the sun rose and came home way, you know, after the sun was down. Right, right. Two jobs, you know, 30, 40 years, work all day and then fly planes all, all night until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. for decades. And there was no complaints. I don't I don't know if I've ever heard my dad necessarily complain, with the exception of politics, but I enjoy it. Um, complain about anything. You know, he just did what he was supposed to do or did what he had to do. And that was the end of it. Right. And, um, but he was, uh, since we're on that, he was, he was definitely, you know, we change as we live. We are who we are from our influences young, how we treat others from the playground into doing the right thing through high school Mm -hmm. to, beginning the ownership of responsibility to college, we we change. We have kids, the next chapter changes. I always like to look at it as decades. Each decade seems to be its own mm-hmm. chapter. And it really, I guess in my instance, I can always think of it as decades of change. And you have to go through the decade in order to get to the next change anyways to either recognize you need to change or you're forced to. Right. Um, but when I, before I was around, he was, he was definitely a tough guy. You know, he, he was very strict. I was raised in a strict house. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, it was a Roman Catholic, Irish, German military family Mm -hmm. from the city. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was really a battlefield from what I would imagine, especially after my mother passed away, 
my dad still worked. Nothing changed. Right. He still had to get up and go do whatever it is that he had to do. And we, and sometimes it was for weeks at a time, months at a time Mm -hmm. when he went to war twice, I believe. So, so that when you said he flew planes at night Mm -hmm. for the reserves, he flew C one thirties. Okay. And then he went into world war one. No, 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 no. He was in Saudi desert storm, desert shield. Yeah. yeah. Desert storm, desert shield. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, this is past, I mean, he went to school at LaSalle. He went to school at Penn state, Trinity in England, Heidelberg in Germany. I mean, he's, uh, He's got multiple degrees, an engineer. He was a flight engineer on C-130s. Okay. And um, r- really sharp. Not only a hard worker, but, you know, the smartest person I've met in yeah. my life. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I'm, you know, I'm blessed to have met countless people in right. my adventures. Yeah. Um, it's funny. My brother is definitely engineer-minded. Mm-hmm. So... It's a, it was, everything was a project. I mean, anything could be fixed. Nothing, nothing, there was nothing non fixable mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but him and my brother definitely have that bond where they're, you know, if there's a, a, something that needs to be solved, then it'll be sit down and developed and solved. Mm-hmm. It's cool to watch that happen. That's yeah. probably one thing they don't know about me if, is how much I admire their relationship, mm-hmm. not in any other way other than delight. Right, right, right. You know? My brother's also a master car- woodworker, master carpenter, genius level. I mean, the stuff he makes is is mind blowing. Yeah, and my dad loved that too. So yeah. when my brother wanted to start a business, he started a woodworking business in our basement. You know, wow. we had three thousand pound planers that were shutting off the electricity until, you know, <laughs> it, if it, because my dad loved the the, the path that he took. He was all about in, investing in it or doing uh-huh. whatever it needed to be to be maxed out, man. We had a generator one time be delivered to the house that's the size of a container, a shipping container, you know, that was put out way on the back that yeah. could run if we had an earthquake, 10 oh. five-bedroom homes, you yeah, know, yeah. for the summer. Just crazy craziness. So I, I love that about my father and, yeah. and my brother. But they didn't always have that relationship growing up, which probably brings me back to the chapter. And he was, you know... They fought each other physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one story that I was too young to know about where I guess one Christmas morning they got into it about something and my brother shut off the electricity in the home. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he went down in the basement and shut off all the electricity, probably in a way that was not easily uh, plugged back in, if you will. Right, right. So it's fun to hear stories like that. But yeah, people change. He changed and it became calm. I'm sure the death of his wife the woman that he loved changed that as well. He had one thing that he wanted in the home when they moved out of the suburb, uh, out of the city is he just wanted a garage, two car garage and the ability to access the basement from ground level to be able to drive up to it. Mm-hmm. There's only, there's only two requirements and she had whatever requirements she had. And they saw the house and she said, Oh Frank, I want to have, I want us to live here. And he told me it, it was not even within his budget. Mm-hmm. It was not even possible. Not even where you could quickly think, okay, I could do this or I could move this and 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 we could get there. And he said, okay, that's fine. Then this is this will be the one then. Walking away knowing that he couldn't. Yeah. At that time, at that moment. Right. But he did it. He still did it. So she got to be there for a year plus and that's great. Mm-hmm. You know? I was the youngest child, so... I was babied, you know, and everyone loved me, especially probably since my mom died. And I'm sure that probably had a negative impact on me mm-hmm. as I maybe carried that with me as I became a little older. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily entitled, but expecting, you know? Right. Things to always work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as time went on, they didn't. And um, I wasn't doing well in school and I had an anger problem. I got kicked out of schools. This is elementary yeah. level? Okay. Yeah, this is elementary level, eighth grade. My siblings all went to the same high school, grade school in the suburbs, almost all of them, at least for a portion of it, six mm-hmm. years in a private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And I got kicked out my eighth grade year before I was about to graduate the sixth oh, kid. Geez. This one particular nun who was the principal and I didn't necessarily get along, and it was a big ordeal. It was a big ordeal. And my dad tried to pull all the stops with all the people that he knows. Mm-hmm. In deep into the archdiocese in a cardinal level and 
she wouldn't change her mind. And we it turned out many, many decades later that she had been kicked out of the convent, but had something over the church and still was able to be, stay the principal and tenure, you know, if you will. Really? And uh, it was a major impact on our life when I got kicked out of that school. Mm-hmm. My dad was extremely disappointed in me. And I'll never forget how, what disappointment is like from your father when I was kicked out of that school. Yeah, yeah. And so there's big peaks of events with your father, which will bring me, as I guess later on in the conversation, to that impact that I can easily have on my son now without even knowing it, that he could be telling someone 37 right, right. years from now. Yeah. No, uh, no school would accept me. This is really when it all started going down. No school would, would accept me. No private school, Catholic school would, would accept me. And my mother only asked two things before she died on her deathbed was to feed the children vegetables and make sure everyone goes to private Catholic school their mm-hmm. entire life. There's only two things she asked. So I learned that later on that when I got kicked out and no Catholic school would accept me that I had to go to a public school. And that uh, that was extremely disappointing and upsetting to my father. Mm-hmm. And um, I did it, and I didn't like it. And my punishment was to dress for church each day for school and go to school dressed in church clothes. To the public school. To the public school, yeah. yeah. And that's, how, was, how was that mockery? <laughs> that, I don't know if it taught me a lesson, but it was difficult. Yeah. It was not enjoyable. I'm sure. And... Um, I definitely got bullied, you yeah. know, and spent the next 30 years waiting to, to meet them again, you know, which <laughs> yeah. is a great story because yeah, I actually yeah. came across them one day. Oh, really? Yeah. Really uh, an interesting, I took the higher road, but it was quite an interesting event huh. 20 years later. But uh, he was not happy and I um, tried to come up with a way not to do it. So um, I was the first one to be picked up on the bus route. So I would bring a change of clothes, quickly get to the back of the bus, change, go to school, eventually was able to talk my older sister into writing a note as the parent because she pretty much was and could Mm -hmm. do anything a parent could Mm -hmm. to say that I needed to get off at a stop earlier, which was my friend John's house. So I would go into his house and change in the bathroom um, and go home. And sometimes he wasn't home. Mm -hmm. So there were many times when I was changing in, you know, 20, 10 degree weather and a half of a snow in the woods, a couple homes before my house, many days for six months, you know, for six months I was doing this. Yeah. I never got caught. Wow. Never got caught. My sister always had my back. My one sister, because every person was their own individual. I mean, they were their own battalion. They were their own general. They were their own field marshal in their own world. And it was, was, you know, how to survive. Yeah. So it was a strict childhood, you know? Yeah. For a portion of it is if you didn't eat your dinner, you ate it for breakfast the next morning. It didn't happen all the time, but it happened, Mm -hmm. you know? If you slammed the door too hard, the door was taken off the hinges. For an an, <laughs> an undetermined amount of time. Wow, I haven't heard that one. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, that's the that was the sisters that had it removed. But um, <laughs> and you had to battle, man. You had to battle. I had this uh, little cassette deck radio that if I went in a certain spot in my closet, I could pick up the new wireless headphone that uh, phone in the home that had just come out, a wireless phone before, you know, you had wires. That was it. Yeah. And uh, I could pick up on AM radio, the signal from the phone in the house, both sides of the conversation. Yeah. Both sides with no, nothing coming from my audio. So I was able, and that didn't last forever, but I was able to pick up, you know, some, some, I broke the code, if you will, (laughs) of the Germans. And I was able to, (laughs) Yeah, I was able to pick up a couple nuggets to to uh, you know to pad my arsenal of survival. That was your uh, making your Manila blackmail folder. Oh, it thin. was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It wasn't. You know, it was tied up so you couldn't <laughs> tuck, tucked away. Um, and then uh, my dad went away to war, so I went to that school. Didn't like it, and then I went to uh, during that time. Younger than that, actually, he went to war. I was learning my states and capitals because I remember sitting at the table by the phone, and we would just wait for the phone to ring because it might have been him from uh, Oman mm-hmm. or Kuwait. And you'd hear it, and you'd talk for ten minutes, you know, and he'd say hello to every kid if you were lucky to be there, and then yeah. that would be it. And we'd hear from him, who knows when, whenever. And, and we raised ourselves. I to was going to say, question. who was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we raised ourselves. Wow. Yeah, we didn't. We. Uh, we raised ourselves. And so how long was his, I guess you would call it a tour? Yeah. Uh, I think he did 
two six month tours, I want to say. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I'm sure that had an impact. Everything has an impact. Yeah. Well, I, I had a brief time, uh, when my, when my dad was living just north of the border to Mexico in, uh, San Ysidro Mm -hmm. and he was getting treated for his cancer and he was going, that's not me getting choked up. That's me just, Mm -hmm. just, just for the audience. I'll let you know when I'm crying. What are, what are the tears? Um, (laughs) you, oh, that's got it. Not to make light. Yeah, no, 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 but my mom and my dad were living in San Ysidro and going across the border every day for this treatment that was not uh, FDA approved. Last and, resort? Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. It was what Ronald Reagan had uh, beaten his cancer with. It was a treatment out of Germany. It was non, you know, it wasn't chemotherapy. It wasn't radiation of any sort. And it was all homeopath- natural. Yeah, homeopathic, homeopathic I mm-hmm. guess. And so they were doing that for, I believe, over a month. And I was, I had just graduated high school. So I was 17 at the time. And one of my older brothers moved back home. And one of my other brothers was home from college for the summer. So I lived at home for that little bit of time with my two older brothers. And just in that time and space, seeing the way that they were trying to lead the house Mm -hmm. quote unquote uh i can only imagine what six months with your oldings older siblings would be like for you guys trying to be a family without a without a head basically yeah everyone is their is their their own head Mm -hmm. is what the house is yeah we split a lot of wood (laughs) literally literally yeah yeah one time I watched my dad swing a sledgehammer and miss as my brother held like the 15 pound wedge on a log and crush his thumb and pick it up and hand it to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> as my brother is walking away dying yeah. of, a, of a broken finger, I'm sure. And, and then he just handed it to me as if, you know, not my bad on the swing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, probably Fran's bad. My brother Fran is also named Frank as my dad and my grandfather. And uh, maybe you can hold this more steady. And maybe, yeah. maybe you got a more steady hand. And yeah. I did not pick it up. I didn't take it from him. Oh, you didn't? No, I didn't. I like it. And I think I was young enough where you got away with that. Yeah, I think I slid away. Yeah, yeah. But I've uh, I I I was accident prone too, especially as a kid. And my mm-hmm. dad couldn't stand that. So many stitches and broken bones and clumsy or no, a, a, just uh, active. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sports. Yeah, I was. I was really the only one of all six kids too that played sports my entire life. Really? Yeah. No one else played sports. Wow. I don't know what why that was, but uh, nobody was into sports. But yeah, I, I was definitely accident prone, and I was too quick. You know, I'd break stuff. Oh my god, I got a quick one. I, my brother built this custom trailer to pull behind the tractor, mm-hmm. all wood, built it all himself. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I think within 24 hours of him building it, I had it loaded with center blocks. And my job was to take it around the front of the house and bring it to the back. And I was going too fast. And I came around the corner. My buddy was, Mike, was sitting on the top of it. My best friend growing up was sitting up on the top. And I came around the corner too fast. And the whole thing tipped and just bent the whole axle and ruined it. Thank God I didn't flip the tractor. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Mike's running down the hill while these, you know, 40 pounds center blocks are rolling towards him solid. (laughs) And my dad and my brother stand just happened to be standing right there on the side of the property, just watching. Just watching. And um, right then, I just demolished the thing that he just built. <laughs> and uh, I never—that was the only time I ever had both of them angry at me at the yeah. exact same time. Yeah. And my dad just looked at my buddy Mike and said, "Mike, I think it's time for you to go home." <laughs> and Mike didn't even do anything because he knew my father. Every, everyone knew my father knew who he was, and um, he just turned and walked away and he said and i think it's time for you to go to your room and i just was like dang and i don't remember anything after that i think they were just so pissed off i didn't even get grounded it was just like you idiot yeah 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 (laughs) but uh every reaction and every way a father handles something makes up who the father is and reveals who the father is yeah you know to the kid and we don't really know i think who our fathers are unless you're very fortunate to know early on but in my particular occasion 
I learned more about them as I got older mm-hmm. and as I moved away. I've, I've moved away 21 years ago. I moved out to California and uh, I definitely don't like being that far away from them. Yeah. That's the one thing that is the biggest downfall is actually not being able to spend time with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so you moved out here 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. With just your sister? No, no, no. My I live with my sister for my freshman year in high school on the East Coast. So I moved out okay. at fourteen. I moved in with a sister, my older sister. She had moved away. She went away to college, which was major detriment for me. And then she moved away to another home, which uh-huh. was closer to a school that I went to go to high school. And then at the end of my freshman year, uh, my godfather, who I or uh, the gentleman Bill, who went to the suburbs that knew my father as a kid, mm-hmm. hired him, became my godfather, hmm. and um, he had a daughter. They were a big influence on taking care of us and not taking care of us, but inviting us over to their home in the holidays and being mother type figures for mm-hmm. her mom. She moved here and uh, I would vacation here since I was 10. I would come for the summer mm-hmm. to vacation in California myself, none of my siblings, but I would come to visit here. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, the opportunity arose where she said, well, why don't you come here and, and live here and go to high school? And she loved me. She's like a mother to me, Jackie. Mm-hmm. And her husband, Steve, and her invited me to come to live here. And my dad uh, said no. And um, it took a lot to get him to change his mind. Because the year prior, I had, uh, on the last day of school, jumped out of the back of the bus, which you're not supposed to do. I wonder why. And I was supposed to go on my last trip, or my summer trip, to California in less than a week. And uh, when he found out about it, he took away my summer trip. So I was about to go to California for the summer. And I got that taken away. And that was a, a punishment. That was the type of punishment, you know. That's harsh. <laughs> and yeah, but you know what? It, I don't want to say that it was fair. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of that. So uh, a lot of work went into it from a lot of angles and uh, he let me move here and I packed up a backpack and I dismantled my BMX bike and wrapped it up in trash bags and duct tape. You couldn't even carry that on a plane today, but I carried it as my carry-on. <laughs> wow. And uh, I took my bike and my, um, I'm pretty sure I put it on my carry-on. But yeah, I, took, I came here and moved here with a BMX bike and a backpack and maybe a small suitcase. Crazy. And then I went to high school. Entering as a sophomore. Entering as a sophomore, yeah. In Orange County, California. In Orange County, California. How yeah. difficult was that transition? I was very fortunate where I really was meant to be here. Mm-hmm. I was not meant to, to grow up and stay on the East Coast. I was meant to be here. I was meant to meet all different types of people yeah. and different groups, or cliques or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed all of them, you know, whether it was a punk show or a party or playing sports or surfing, you mm-hmm. know. It was nice to be able to meet the different people and kind of connect with them. And I was fortunate enough to meet some seniors my freshman year, my sophomore year mainly from the soccer team. And that's how I developed some of their friendships. And they kind of brought me in and I kind of paved my way of being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was stoked, you know, still friends with a lot of them today mm-hmm. and uh, graduated high school. And then um, was either going to go to Pepperdine, Concordia or Westmont. And I went to, I went to Westmont mm-hmm. and, uh, but that was a jump forward into college, but uh, high, okay. school, high school is awesome. That's a good enough jump. Yeah. High school is awesome. So, went to college, mm-hmm. four years at Westmont. Four years at Westmont, mm-hmm. yep. And any schooling beyond that, or did you go straight into the workforce from there? No, I I, um, I didn't work in college, fortunately. I, so I didn't, I regret that. I regret not working in college, because mm-hmm. that would have maybe given me a better foundation or understanding of what I like and dislike mm-hmm. to help jumpstart me. So I didn't work in college. But at the end of it, I did uh, start off at Nordstrom's for a little while, selling women's shoes, and actually made a ton of money. Wow. Yeah, I think I, I made $88,000 my first year of college selling, wow. selling women's shoes wow. in Santa Barbara. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I, it's crazy how times change. But, um, and then I you know, moved into sales and been in sales ever since. Mm-hmm. So what what did you graduate from uh, Westmont with? I have a bachelor's in communications. Okay, with uh, with an emphasis on debate and public speaking, which you were using to 
I mean, were you walking away from that thinking, I'm going to do this with No, that? no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I was walking into it thinking this is going to be epic living in Santa Barbara for the next four years. Okay. And I'm going to choose... This one. This one's not yeah. math. This one's not history. Yeah. This one's not Latin. <laughs> Who mm-hmm. knows what? So, yeah. yeah, communications. And I was like, yeah, public speaking, debate, argumentation and advocacy, you know, the rhetoric, uh, it was mass media propaganda, mass media communications and marketing. It was all really interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't do, I didn't take it seriously enough. I was having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I played sports and I was out there having a lot of fun. And eventually the school, which I haven't really shared with a lot of people, told me that they didn't want me to come back after the summer break. Which uh, which year? Uh, my um, I want to say my junior year, right in the beginning of my junior year. Okay, after the first semester, I think they were like, and I wasn't failing any classes, but I had I think a D, a couple C's, and the rest B's. And uh-huh. they were like, my, my I was on the East Coast. My grandfather was passing away, ninety eight, and my wow. men in my family either go at about forty six or ninety eight. Wow, <laughs> typically in the ninety eighters. Yeah. So I had flown home. I had flown home to say goodbye to him because he was passing away in our living room. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I got a phone call from my aunt that said, Westmont asked you not to come back. And I was blown away. And, you know, I say, your, your grades aren't showing the type of grades of someone that wants to be an alumni of this college. And I thought, wow, that's pretty crazy. That's all. That's pretty yeah. cool. And yeah. I thought that later on, but at first I was like, okay, what do I have to do to get back in? Right. And it was like two overnight letters that were both denied, appealed, and uh, they said, your third option is to have an interview, a sit down with the dean and a few other people. And I think I had a, a bit of a reputation with them, you know, definitely as a party kid, but never got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I called them out on their school bulletin one time because they had multiple racial people on it. And I was like, but this doesn't equate to what this population is at the school. There's like two non-Caucasian individuals in the school. And I was mm-hmm. like, you have all these pictures and that blew them up. But they sat down with me. But I think ongoing it was like that's we're not we're not a big fan of that right 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 so i think that was going on a little bit yeah and um so i jumped on a plane the next morning i didn't tell my family why i was leaving because i didn't want anybody to know i wanted to see if i could figure this out yeah and uh, kiss my grandfather goodbye and um as the night before i heard him call my dad down he he would call my dad dad he would call his son dad because Mm -hmm. so many people are saying dad all the time in the Mm -hmm. house and eventually at 98 you begin saying it and he was just like, you know, I just want a shot and a bullet, you know? And I could hear him mumbling that at 98, yeah. like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, just just yeah, this staunch German yeah. man that would probably put my dad's discipline to, sh- to utter shame. Yeah, yeah. And I jumped on a plane the next day, and I flew right into Santa Barbara and went right in and prepared uh, what I felt was a really powerful speech mm-hmm. and won him over. And they were mm-hmm. they just said, yeah. That's that's what we want to hear. And they gave me some restrictions. I'd have straight A's the remainder of my college career. They limited my sports to a certain amount of days a week. And um, and I did it. And I'm really wow. thankful for it. Yeah. Stoked. Met that's some great people cool. up there. Yeah, it was a it was a fun ride. So what did you play football and soccer there? Uh, I went there to play soccer to redshirt. Yeah. And I wound up uh playing equestrian polo instead. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I started the team actually. Wow. Yeah, it's seventeen years ago. No way. Back to back national champions in fourteen in two thousand fifteen. No way. Yeah, which is which is really exciting to wow to look back on. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Who did they play against? I mean, are- uh, we would play UC Santa Barbara, UC City College when they had a call when they had a team. Stanford, Harvard, Yale, uh, Texas A and M. Not a ton of schools, right? Not a ton. But just it's a, a club sport. Yeah, it's here, a club right. sports. Was not college funded, right? Um, right. They didn't take an interest in it. They do now, which is pretty cool. But no, they didn't. Huh. So a lot of interesting schools. Okay, so you graduate college, mm-hmm. two thousand two. Sell women's shoes. Mm-hmm. Go into all the sales, mm-hmm. and then your son is now seven. He'll be seven in July. Yep. So let's get into that. Oh man, it's. Uh, it's like an art project. It's like a painting that's permanent, you know, yeah. <laughs> like paint, of course, is, but you can't really paint over the painting. Yeah. And every decision is a stroke. So, uh, yeah, my son's he's a delight. And I like to think that I have a, an influence on that. Yeah. It's a portion of 
who he is and who my ancestors were and how hard I try to get it right. Because mm-hmm. that's all it is too, is trying to get it right. Right. You know, you, you can be influenced from experience, from your parents, from your friends, from a plethora of influx of information that's obviously at our fingertips. Right. But you really learn in the moment as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you either have to take that with you and learn from it or just always be aware. You know, I think you have to be patient is the number one thing when it comes to being a father. Mm-hmm. And you have to really acknowledge that everything has a lasting impact. And, you know, as a kid, he went to a, a Waldorf education in Laguna Beach, a private place for a few years and, you know, he really liked to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. And a teacher said, oh, a, 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 I think a pair assistant teacher or something said, I think you know, he might have Asperger's. My son has Asperger's. And I, I'm pretty sure it was probably new to me. And a uh, form of autism. And um, my ex, uh, you know, agreed. And I think probably for a portion of it, I did too from ignorance. Mm-hmm not knowing that this is a behavior of a, a typical child. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on we had a specialist, this is probably four years ago, I had a specialist, really a 25 minute conversation, mm-hmm. sat down with him. I was like, oh yeah, he does. Uh, or, but very lightly, you know, mm-hmm. I pride myself on reading people really well, mm-hmm. whether it could be a moment or a lifetime. And, um, I didn't read him real well. I, I, I read him well in that I wasn't I wasn't too confident in in his actions and his quickness, and so I wasn't a big proponent of the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But that ultimately just turned into an IEP, and and then he they recommended him going to a program uh, a few times and having some in class assistance, and I never felt like he needed it. Mm-hmm. And I he picked up a lot of bad habits, not bad habits, but habits that weren't. L- like him mm-hmm. in going to a lot of the classes from potentially from the other kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which is in any experience, right? When you're exposed, especially when you're young and vulnerable, you're, yeah. you're always going to pick up habits. Yeah. And really it's, it's natural. Yeah. And I noticed that. Mm-hmm. And I think others said, Oh, well I see it more. And it's like, yeah, but watch what happens when, when he doesn't go right. Watch right. the change. And I was right. And, um, but you know, he, he just got done his last IEP and they're like, look, there's no, there's no classes. There's no, he doesn't need any of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think what I got out of it was be very cautious before you label. Yeah. But if you do identify something battle for your kid Mm -hmm. because they can't do it for themselves. Right. So to me, I always think that it's everything you do is really setting them up for success. You know, whether it's crossing the street or not pointing at people. I'm teaching him right now how to do this if he's pointing at something instead of doing mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. At church the other day, it was ridiculous. He was going through all the fingers. You know, he's got his index and he's got his middle <laughs> finger. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not just about the index, buddy. All of them. It's put your palm out and you can point at it. Yeah. And, he's, and I'm busting up in the middle of the sermon. I'm like, oh my gosh. Every moment is awesome. Yeah. You know? It may not seem that way, but it's impactfully awesome. Yeah. It's it's funny, the end of day, if you're able to kind of do that and look back at the end of the day and pick out the good and pick out the bad mm-hmm. and think about how did I how did I play this out and how did I react to that? And just like what you said, like patience is so I really think that that could be one of the most meaningful qualities for parenting because that's the thing that kids kind of can break down the easiest in you. You know, they can do their repeating of something that is annoying the hell out of you, but is something just kind of funny to them, you know, and Mm -hmm. whether it's like singing a song over and over again or or whatever or like poking you know the stewie family guy mom 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 you know that's hilarious to them yeah and if you like rip their head off 
Um, they're going to rip someone else's head off. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> that sticks with them a little bit. It does. Um, and I mean, I've I've seen the times when I am not particularly at my best, and I lose my patience, or even when. No, I, I think I see it more so when I do it than when the times that I see Missy do it, um, which isn't me saying that it matters more if I do it than if she does. But just Delilah will hear my tone change or will realize what she just did is going to maybe antagonize me and she'll say, Daddy, if she hears me respond to her in a, what like kind of Mm -hmm. exasperated tone the next thing she says every single time is i love you Mm. and i know exactly why she's doing it and it's kind of one of those things like she knows that it calms the heart yeah yeah yeah. and she knows that she's the pessimist or whatever side Mm. of my brain is like you're doing that just to get out of trouble or whatever oh yeah but but (laughs) You know, also a bigger part of me is thinking years down the road of she was doing it in a way to reconnect mm-hmm. and to hit reboot. And is that such a bad thing? Like, even if she's doing it in a sneaky way or whatever, like... Still being done. Yeah, she's still doing it for a reason to make that connection with me and to, even if it is just to gain my favor... uh she is noticing that this is going down a negative path and she's wanting to turn it into a positive. So how can I really get ticked off about that or whatever? But yeah, I mean, there's so many times that, that I, you try to realize it before you're saying it or whatever. And it's, it's not only having the patience with them, but it's having the patience with yourself to, take that time and I think that that was more of a thing that I saw a lot with my parents and and I don't know it seems like a hidden art I don't see a lot of parents taking that time and you know the go to your room mm-hmm. of not only for you to think about what you did but for me to be able to calm myself down mm-hmm. you know the always I don't know if you Got it, but sorry, mom. We we got spanked. No, I didn't get it. My kids. siblings did. I did not. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got the rulers too. My 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 father grew up with the rulers in in school, and yeah. the kids got it at home, which On was the acceptable. Knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we got. I mean, we got spanked with hands. We mm-hmm. got spanked with. Uh, I think I can't remember if it was me or my brother. Are v- very proud of the fact. <clears throat> are very proud of the fact that we at one point broke a wooden spoon with our butt paddle. <laughs> no, it was like a, we would get oh, the, the cooking wo- oh, spoon. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. We had they a neighbor. Grab that. We had a neighbor growing up on our street and they got the spoon and yeah. I remember what they would say and how bad it hurt. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because I'm sure there are some people right now that are hearing that out of my 10 listeners or whatever that are thinking, wow, what was wrong with your parents? Uh, you know, but back then that was acceptable. Yeah, that was totally acceptable. And I don't hold that against, against my parents in any way. I, there are times when I've wished that spanking was more right. okay right now because I think, you know, that could really possibly have more of an effect than the, I'm going to take your iPod away for an hour right. or whatever. It's, it's striking someone usually has a, has an impact. <laughs> Well, when you say it like that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember one time my brother was about to get in trouble for something. I can't remember what it was, and we would we would sometimes get the switch, which was basically just a branch off a tree, <laughs> and the part of the thing was, and this was a very brief period, like that did not go on very long, uh, because I think my dad felt bad. At some point, like that, he was basically hitting us with branches, <laughs> of trees. and I'm not talking like oak tree branches, but uh, he would say to you, "Go bring me a switch," so you knew you were grabbing your own punishment tool. And there was a time that my brother was getting in trouble, 
And I said, oh, I'll, I'll go get it. And I went outside and I came back. You with probably like, got it. <laughs> oh, I got this total thorn oh my God. bush uh, branch. And I think my dad kind of laughed and he didn't end up using that. Or it maybe still had the roses on it. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that there's still that love to it, you know, even though it's so cliche, my dad would say beforehand, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you and sit sit there with us afterwards and tell us how much he loved us and whatnot. Uh, we got threatened with many, uh, I will pull this car over right now and give you a bare bottom oh, spanky yeah. on the side of the road in front of everybody. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard the car and that one. I th- I don't I don't think we we ever uh, ended up having that happen. Can you imagine that right now? No. If somebody was on a road on a road with their kid and you people were driving by seeing them spank their bear. No, but yeah. there'd be a move be, on move on oh my org gosh. page. Not yeah, a second. It would be, well, it would be on everybody's cell phones that drove oh, by yeah. and that person would be prosecuted. Chastised. And um, um, yeah, no, yeah, maybe not a Mussolini outcome, but definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely probably, probably not the best decision, you know, because there's a lot of influences on that back then. It was acceptable, mm-hmm. got the job done, and you didn't get sued for it from your kids, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And also, it takes a lot of patience to be a parent and, and it takes time to, like I keep seemingly going back to it's every single moment and it's, it's a muscle, it's building a foundation of mm-hmm. habit and it's how you talk to your children every time. You know, it's like that, actually uh, it's a sign over there about, you know, what you say is what they'll, you know, what they do. If you teach ridicule, you know, they'll learn ridicule. Mm-hmm. And, you know, patient, uh, being a father is, is is like rock climbing with with two words, patience and trust. And I think patience is your finger grip on the rock and making the right decision each time as you climb forward. And the trust is the harness that's holding on to you. And it's not that the trust is there to protect you, but it's the trust is there to be confident in the decisions that you've made, that the outcome is going to be reached the way you would ideally like it to be seen but it takes a lot it definitely takes a lot and part of the added on i don't know difficulty level level for you is that you are basically a single dad yeah 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 and you have him what 50 percent 50 okay 50 percent of the time and you are my first single dad on the on the program cool. so congratulations appreciate it yeah. i'll give you a little badge on your yeah episode no problem uh so what is that struggle like for consistency oh that's a good starter word because you have another 50 percent that doesn't necessarily move in any relationship Mm -hmm. living with or with uh, separately um divorced um they have their own modus operandi to their parenting Mm -hmm. so you parent and hope the impact that you've left carries on through anything that might be a negative or a deterrent to that or just a different way of parenting. Mm-hmm. And that's an ever-moving entity, you know, each day mm-hmm. when you see actions or have to correct or teach, you know, it's an everyday change. So it's it's definitely a challenge to have two homes uh, for, for a son, for a child. Mm-hmm. And have you, how old was he when the house became divided? Uh, this was a year and a half ago. Okay. So it's not a two or three year old thing. Have you noticed, is there a change in him since that has happened that is uh, noticeable or significant that you have to kind of oh, overcome a little bit as well or no? No. All, has he been a chance? It's all great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all been I mean, I mean I'm sure if I sit here and ponder from him, I'm sure I could pull some challenges out. But right. uh for the most part, overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, overwhelmingly positive. That's cool. I have a a heavier hand, if you will, no pun intended of, of previous uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. conversations. But um 
I have a heavier uh, hand and influence in being able to raise him the way that I think a boy should be raised. Mm-hmm. The, I, I have a, a, my ability to do what I think is right. Mm-hmm. And that I, I really believe has, has, has gone pretty well so far, mm-hmm. God willing. I mean, he's, he's a good kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good kid. He's a very good kid. I can attest to that. He, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. He's, um, he's, he's in a deeper pattern now. He's got a good routine. Routine mm-hmm. is fantastic for any age. Yes. So I think that's positive and I keep that routine ever changing, you know, with activities, mm-hmm. with life, with experiences, the opera, museums, you know, teaching your son to stand in front of a painting with his hands folded behind his back whenever he's in an art gallery is really exciting at six and a half years old, you know, mm-hmm. to just teach him to experience that and appreciate it and taking him to the orchestra and letting him experience that and camping and fishing and, um, Anything that strikes our fancy, mm-hmm. really, that's within mm-hmm. within means. And how much of that is coming from or not coming from your childhood? My father, we he was involved in Boy Scouts with me when he was able to. Mm-hmm. And when I played soccer, I played a lot of goalie, and I would always wait to see if he would be standing behind the goal because whenever I would play goalie, he would stand you know thirty feet or so behind the net, and I loved that. And sometimes he was able to be there, and sometimes he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was my own life that I lived in my own interest of going out and trying as much new stuff as I could and mm-hmm. saying, wow, that was that was cool. That's something that I'm happy that I was impacted by or experienced. And if it's something positive and something that is just a great overall experience, then I'm going to want him to either experience the same thing that I was able to do or was not able to do. I mean, my father would always take us kids to the city at Christmas time to see the symphony. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I love, you know, I love classical music. And also it's, it's also laying foundation for them. It's also, I think classical music is a great thing to become a habit of listening to. And I wanted him to not only benefit if at all possible from it, but also enjoy it and appreciate it. So there's always a, an arming mindset in each decision not only has impacts, but it has to be, it has to be, um, loaded with rationale behind the decision. Right. And all those things are not easily done, but if this can have an impact or can teach him something or set him up for some sort of success, that's just one more, uh, one more in the arsenal. Yeah. Well, plus the expansion at his age of all these experiences is tremendous. And, and absolutely. And I think another portion of it is I never really knew what I wanted to do. I guess I still don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. I have my strengths and successes and expertise, but I couldn't pinpoint that on something, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, there's careers. So I think the more I'm able to help influence him, the quicker he'll be able to weed through what he really likes and what he doesn't like mm-hmm. and to give him a head start. Yeah. Which, of course, can and will. Yeah. Evolve and change and and he'll decide his own. Yeah. And it might go the opposite of what we've done, but it's still your job. Yeah. And he doesn't seem I don't know, to me he doesn't come off as very rebellious or anything like that. So he's still young. We'll give him we'll yeah. give him time to start getting into that. No, he's not rebellious. Yeah. I'm strict, but I'm very fair. Yeah. Um and you and I've I've witnessed you parent him, which isn't a ton. I mean, I, I haven't been around you parenting him a ton, but your your restrictions or your strictness doesn't come without reason. It's not, you know, even even if there is the momentary, even if you're not verbalizing it in the way of, because I said so, there is a, you know, if if there is the why which comes from the six, seven-year-old child of why are you telling me not to do this, there is a reason it's not just I don't want you doing that right now or whatever. There is usually a understanding that is given from you and he seems to get it. He might take that with him. When I grew up, you didn't ask why. If the answer was no, the answer was because I said so. I couldn't tell you a time that my father gave me an answer of why something was a no. Mm-hmm. It was because I said so. Mm-hmm. And you develop a habit of not asking why. 
Right. Just like if you tell a child they have five minutes left on a particular activity or if it's a show, for example, and then you say, you may have taught them to say please and use their managers and say, may I please have another show, but you've also taught them if you give them another five minutes, another 10 minutes, you develop a habit where they understand that they're able to argue with you. And that right, right then in and of itself will will and can manifest into rebellion. Yeah. And arguing and debating and getting what they want and entitlement. And I'm not saying they all develop into that, but logically thinking and through experience, I eventually got to a point where I had to say to him, I don't change my mind. Mm-hmm. My mind has been made up. There is no point in asking me a second time or a third time. And, um, you know, I definitely, oh, man, we, I don't spank him. Um, I wasn't hit, but uh, he will have the occasional time out. Tonight mm-hmm. we had guests over the house for dinner and something happened and he asked me back three times after I gave him the answer. And he sat on a timeout while the people were here and mm-hmm. folded his hands and sat down on, with his back against the wall. And he was bummed. And yeah. missed a moment. My friend's kid like walked for the first time a lot. And it was like, oh my gosh. And he was super bent mm-hmm. that he didn't get to see it. And But I acknowledged it and I said, I understand that you're bummed about that. But you have to remember X, Y, Z. Yeah. And if you don't change your mind, you will develop the right habits. Right. I'm going through that with Delilah right now because she does continue to ask and when I finally get to that point where I'm now answering you in a more stern manner and saying kind of what you were just saying, I'm not going to let you do that. And then she starts to get more disappointed and she hangs her head or maybe starts to walk away or whatever. And I, and I try to reason with her and say, look at how you feel right now. You feel even more disappointed than when you first started asking me and you're more bummed out and this kind of escalated a little bit. And that's because you kept asking. And my answer was never going to change. And it's always been no. And if you had stopped at the first or second one, then you could have continued being happy and doing something else or doing whatever you were doing. But you wanted to keep pushing it. And now we're at this place. So you need to learn to not go for that third, fourth, fifth asking. And then we won't have this tension Mm -hmm. and i think she's kind of starting to get it a little bit even though after i say that speech she usually says daddy and i say what and she says i love you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then i say okay but damn it listen to what i was saying so oh man it's tough it is tough it really is uh but you know someone's always had it more difficult yeah, <laughs> I think of my father with six kids by himself. It's yeah. like, and I'm sitting here with just one, and you know, I'm five percent of the man he is. You know, and uh, I'm always striving to be like him mm-hmm. all the time. It's the one thing that I am the most scared of in my life mm-hmm. is not having him. You know, so uh, fathers can have a big impact on their kids in yeah. any way or direction they want to take it. Yeah. Many wise words have been spoken by you tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing the peyote. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the uh, quotable quote session. Man. So we will potentially go into a fork in the road if you have the time. Yeah. And we have the means. Yeah, I don't work Um, for 10 hours. I'm good. Okay. I usually really suck at the transition from a normal episode to a fork in the road. So I'm proud to say that I am toning this one down. Yeah. Ending it here. So here we we still are here <laughs> uh, because the outro was so crappy like, on that or weeding out. So thank you for being on, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I hope that you all got something out of that episode. I know I not only learned more about you, but I feel... Seriously, like sincerely, you had a lot of very good thoughts, opinions, as as I gen, generally get out of you when we spend time with you. So I appreciate that. Stoked. Yeah, glad glad to chat with you. And um, it's fun exploring the biggest responsibility in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure it's an endless uh, 
endless conversation. This is why I have multiple episodes with multiple men, because it is an endless conversation. And everybody gives a little bit something different to it. So, yeah, Dot, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Okay, a, a lot more effort being given right there to the transition from one normal Daddy Unscripted episode to a Fork in the Road episode. Uh, I hope to get those as clean as I can. But with this episode concluded, I wanted to thank you for listening in to my sit down with Joe and uh, as well as another extended thanks to Joe for uh, having me in his home to record there. That was fun. Though I do like recording in my non-studio studio. It is fun to get out to other places to record. And I wanted to thank you all for listening. Thanks for, again, spending some of your time with the podcast, Daddy Unscripted. You can find the website, which has some of the older blog posts as well, at daddyunscripted.com, Daddy Unscripted on Facebook and on Twitter as well. And we are happy to be not only available in iTunes, but on Google Play and Stitcher as well. So you can find the podcast that way. If you are finding us on Stitcher and iTunes, I would love for you guys to click on the review button, uh, subscribe when you leave a review that really helps the podcast out. And in these first couple of months, that's really important. So we can try to get in the new popular section. So more people are seeing the podcast, hopefully allowing us to get some more of those guests in and some more listeners that will bring us some more attention and make the podcast that much better and richer for everybody concerned. Uh, you can also drop a line to daddyunscripted at gmail.com for any of those Uh, requests or suggestions for other guests I can have on. So thanks again for listening and uh, hope to have you listen to the next episode, which may be the fork in the road with Joe.